We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This is Greg Olson, inviting you to check out my new Blue Wire podcast, TE1, where I interview tight ends throughout the history of the NFL who have helped revolutionize the position. TE1 is presented by the Chevy Silverado. The Silverado is all about grit. It's strong and dependable, exactly like playing tight end. Just like the incredible players we sit down with on the podcast, the Chevy Silverado is in a league of its own. Strong, advanced, and dependable. Download TE1 today wherever you listen to podcasts. Blue Wire. Hey, this is George Kittle, and you're listening to Candlestick Chronicles. New England sending QB Jimmy Garoppolo to 49ers. We believe we found the right guy. Garoppolo, quick pass, caught by Kittle. He dives, and he's in. Touchdown, 49ers. Kittle is going to go. Touchdown. Yeah, you heard it there. It's Candlestick Chronicles, a 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. That gentleman sitting right over there in the glasses. That's Chris Biederman. He covers the 49ers for the Sacramento Bee. The guy talking to you right now in the glasses? I'm Kyle Madsen. I write about the 49ers over at NinersWire.com, part of the USA Today Sports Media Group. And for the second consecutive week, we have a 49ers victory to discuss. But before we get to that, Chris, we're in the Bay Area. We're in the, the midst of another heat wave. Before the pod, you had to make some adjustments to your setup. Because you were beating the heat so hard. <clears throat> yeah. Um, well, I was trying to uh, so hard. But I can't because it's too hot. And uh, it takes a while. Like, it doesn't get cool now for on days like this until, like, 9 p.m. Right. Um, so I have to wait till, like, right about now before I can actually get cool air to my room. Um, but the bonus, which I told you, was that the air is getting smoky again and um so while i try to beat the heat i get to do it with air that is 
that's not good to breathe. So it's it's not an awesome time. But on like a more serious note, obviously, um, thinking about everybody in the North Bay yes. impacted by fires right now. Um, it's a close situation to me personally. Um, the tw- the 2017 fires in Santa Rosa definitely were. Um, so shout out to everybody who's who's dealing with all that, and uh, hope everybody stays safe and um, and healthy too. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm gonna transition now. Uh, to back to back to football here uh but of course our thoughts are with everybody as chris said in no north bay but the 49ers on the east coast yesterday they knocked off the giants 36 to 9 in a game that uh was somehow not as close as the final score indicated (laughs) and uh san francisco goes into new york and they they finish a back-to-back new york road trip uh, with a couple of wins a 67 to 22 combined score. And what was the most impressive part yesterday uh, was who they did it with, Um, you know, beating up on the New York giants is not a significant feat. I don't think, I I don't think the Niners are going to be the only team that blows New York out this year, but uh, the fact it was Nick Mullins under center, George Kittle on the sidelines, Jimmy Garoppolo on the sidelines, Richard Sherman, Debo Samuel, Nick Bosa. If you've, if you're listening to this podcast, you probably know the list of names that were out. And the Niners still went in and looked like the 49ers. If their starters were in, I would have expected almost the same game, I think. Yeah, I, I think that that's really the the takeaway now is after two games dealing with the injuries, you realize that the 49ers are sort of have this institutional thing going now, right? Like when you think, and I, I'm not saying that you know like the san antonio spurs have a have a dynasty but when i think about the spurs i sort of think about them always being a difficult team to play because they're so well coached all the players fit exactly what they want to do and i think you're starting to see something similar with the 49ers now in that continuity um scheme fit just uh you know culture i know not everybody loves loves to talk about culture, but I think that is a real thing, particularly when you're trying to bounce back from the injuries that they're dealing with. But um, I just think when you can win road games in the NFL, obviously that's a big thing, right? Like you're, you can't be a good team without uh, without being able to win games on the road. And winning with a backup quarterback on the road is like, you know, that that's like a coach's dream, right? Like if a coach can coach up a team to the point where they're winning road games in the NFL with a backup quarterback, they're going to be super happy with that Um, because it's hard. And so the reason why it's hard is because it's hard to have this level of continuity in the league. And so I think what you're seeing now is Nick Mullins, who's been in the system longer than Jimmy Garoppolo is a very capable backup. And, um, and all the other pieces or most of the other pieces either fit really well and they might be brand new and playing for the first time, or they're guys who have just been around forever. So um, I think we're at that point of Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch's tenure now where they have a very good understanding of what they're looking for when it comes to constructing the team. And when you're building a 53-man roster and you talk about depth, this is sort of what you look at. And so, yeah, like we can debate, and I'm sure we will here, we can debate, you know, how impressive it was to beat the Giants and Jets in back-to-back weeks who are probably the two worst teams in the NFL right now, uh, particularly given all the injuries. You can say that's not impressive, but it's still winning road games in the NFL. And frankly, it would be the conversation surrounding these games if the 49ers didn't handle business would be a lot different. 
Um, right. So I'm curious to see now with a few home games under their belt how the 49ers do because they do have that stretch coming up, probably the most important stretch of the regular season starting um, in a few weeks with the Rams and then the Patriots um, and the Seahawks are in there somewhere and the Packers and the Saints. Yeah. Um, so these weren't the two biggest tests, but the fact that they passed them with, you know, more or less flying colors with all the guys they're missing. Um, there's nothing about it that's not encouraging. Let me put it that way, with maybe the exception of the long snapping. Um, but yeah. we can talk about that later too. Well, and and that's not to say that the Niners could go win twelve games with this current lineup that they had on Sunday. I, just eventually, the the talent of healthy teams would would just outweigh the what the Forty ers backups bring. Yeah, uh, and that that's just the nature of the NFL. Um, and I I do think though the the Giants and Jets aren't good, but they're still NFL teams. And the fact that the 49ers just so kind of roundly dominated uh without without so many key players was was the impressive part. The the victory isn't as impressive to me. I thought the 49ers would uh I even after Garoppolo went out, I thought the Niners were going to beat the Jets, and I went in Sunday thinking the Niners were going to beat the Giants, but I thought it was going to be close. Yeah, I did too. I I, I, I really thought it. I think the line was three and a half. I was like, take take the Giants because I mean, a field goal game probably sounds about right, and it looked that way for the first what uh, twenty five minutes or so, and then the Niners just kind of pulled away and put the foot on the gas, and I think that's a testament to the coaching and the scheme and just the execution. And uh, that's why it was so impressive to me is that the the 49ers had so many players ready to play and play at a high level and execute at a high level and basically play mistake free. And that's how you wind up with a with a 36 to nine victory. So I, I, I think that to kind of answer answer the question that you brought up, like how impressive is this? It's impressive. But it's like I said, it's not something where I would say, oh, well, this is a group of players that could go win a Super Bowl. Like, obviously not. Because well, no, especially with with what we saw Monday night from Kansas City. <laughs> oh, that's a different story. But right. <laughs> they're really good. Uh, so it's, but it's it's impressive because of how they played. It doesn't necessarily matter who it was against. Like, the final score doesn't matter as much to me. They, they executed and they played well. Uh, and the fact it was the Jets or the Giants, it, it wouldn't have mattered who they who they played against. It was going to be impressive either way. Yeah, and, and so much too in the in the NFL is like it's not always who you play. A lot of times it's when you play them. Um, playing the Jets early in the season when they're in full tailspin mode and really banged up from an injury standpoint, um, and Adam Gase is just circling the drain. It seems like. Like that, that's, that's a thing, right? Like that, that's an obvious benefit to the 49ers and then playing the giants the week after they lose Saquon Barkley, you know, they don't have Sterling Shepard. Um, you know, the, those are, those are real things like playing them at those times, uh, that yeah. absolutely matters. It's, it's yeah. like, because the Niners weren't better. The Niners weren't worse than the Falcons last year when they lost, um, absolutely. in December, they were just, it was just the perfect time to play them because they had those two really high level emotional games on the East coast. They came back, played a game without Richard Sherman and Kwan Williams. And that was a perfect time for the Falcons to come over and snag a win. Right. Um, and it sort of feels like week one, maybe for, for the 49ers might, we might 
look back on on week one this year and feel this, a similar way about that with the with the Cardinals game. But so I'm um, I'm, I'm glad yeah, you brought. I'm I'm glad you brought up week one because I wanted to I wanted to use that to kind of jump to the next thing here. After week one, there was now if you listen to this podcast, you weren't feeling this way, you're welcome. But I <laughs> I can't remember if I've mentioned this on the show. I produce a radio show, a sports talk radio show at 957 the game in the Bay Area. <laughs> and I can't remember if I've mentioned that before, but um there was a lot of talk of like Super Bowl hangover. They're not going to get it done this year. The division's too good and this and that. Well, now they're two and one. They are tied with two other teams for second place in the division. They're one game back of the Seahawks who are three and oh. And they should be getting Jimmy Garoppolo back. Debo Samuel is eligible to come back this week. He's going to practice on Wednesday. Right. George Kittle uh, is day to day, but I'm I'm expecting he'll play this week. I don't know how how uh, you feel about that. And then Richard but Sherman is coming back next week. He'll be eligible to come back next week. We right. don't we don't really know the uh, the severity of Richard Sherman's injury just yet. Um, that'll be something we probably broach with Kyle Shanahan this week. But, but the, the point on Kittle theme is they're they're getting healthier and they right. won a couple of games while they were extremely unhealthy, right. which is huge. Right. And so the reason why, so I framed the next question in the rundown is, you know, what's our level of encouragement? Let's put a number on it. One to 10. Um, I'm probably going to go a seven, which sounds high, but you, you go, you have an opportunity now to finish September three and one with a win over the Eagles who are absolutely beatable, right? Like they are having a disastrous start to the season. They're on three. They look, they, they still have a lot of talent. Um, you know, and they could be a team that that turns on a dime in in a week, and I'm sure they're gonna get all the negative press in Philly this week, and everybody's gonna bury them, and they could come out and put together a really strong game and beat the 49ers on Sunday. That could that could definitely happen, or the 49ers can come back, feel really reinvigorated with potentially Jimmy Garoppolo, Debo Samuel, George Kittle um, back on the field, and then they're a completely different team. So, you know, I think. My level of encouragement for the 49ers is a seven because I think they're going to get back to the level that we saw last year, just in terms of the the way they're playing. It's going to look different because they're not going to have Nick Bosa. They're probably not going to have D Ford for a little while here. Um, but just in terms of like the way the offense functions with, you know, Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk and George Kittle um, and now Jarek McKinnon, who is, who is turning into a, a pretty viable weapon and certainly outperforming, I think just about every expectation yeah. had for him outside the building. Um, so I think the 49ers offense could start to really get humming here in these next few weeks. And if that's true, just given the pedigree of the roster, even without Bosa, I like they're going to be a very tough team to beat. Like even without yeah. Bosa, I still think they, they have the best roster in, in the division. Um, wow. I know the Seahawks, are probably one of the two or three best teams in the league right now. But I think a lot of that is because of Russ and his skill position guys. I, th- yeah. I still think the 49ers top to bottom have a better roster than Seattle. Yeah. So when you look at it, like they're, they're still, I th- I think they, they're still going to be a force as this season goes on. If they can keep guys on the field, which is obviously the, the huge, the big caveat here. Right. If they get, if they get healthy with the guys who can return, 
and they can stay afloat. If they're going four and one into that Rams game, and even if they come out of the Rams game in week six at four and two, and they go into week seven where all of a sudden Weston Richburg can come back and Ronald Blair can come back, and theoretically you've got Richard Sherman healthy and George Kittle's further removed from his knee injury and Garoppolo further removed from his ankle injury, all of a sudden you're getting a 49ers team getting as healthy as it's been uh, sitting at four and two. So I, I, I'm with you. The encouragement level is is at like a seven or eight right now because when going into the Giants game, my, my thought was, man, if they lose to the Giants, they're going to go to one and two. And now all of a sudden they have to go face the Eagles, who I thought were going to be better than that. I expected them to bounce back this week and they did not. Yeah. Uh, but thinking the Eagles are going to be better, it's going, man, it's one and two going into that Eagles game. And now you're maybe one and three. And then the season's effectively over. And now the opposite is true. I still, I mean, it's one game against, against the Giants. And I'm not ready to crown them NFC West champs. But I feel a lot better about their chances than I did when Garoppolo first went down and when Bosa first went down. Yeah. And it, here's, here's the thing too. I, I think it's the, what the Bosa injury meant for the, for the 49ers, it probably cost them the one seed, right? Like the, like it's going to be the one thing I think we can rule out with certainty is that they're not going to win the one seed without Nick Bosa and without D Ford for, it looks like, a significant part of the season, right? So given that there, there are seven playoff teams in the conference this year, there, there are going to be, there probably aren't going to be fans in stadiums in the playoffs. And I don't think, you know, Nick Wagner, her, our friend who was on the pod last week, just, just mentioned in the text thread that, you know, home field advantage probably doesn't matter this year. So if you're not the one seed, I mean, really the big advantage is the bye week. But ultimately, if you're a wild card team, it might not really matter in, in January. So the 49ers, you know, like nobody I there there's a very real possibility that the 49ers win like 10 or 11 games and then be a team that nobody wants to see in the playoffs. Just given their pedigree, yeah. right? And yeah. given how much better the offense should be in this fourth season of of Kyle Shanahan, right? So um, I still think there's a lot out there and obviously, you know, we're three games into the season and I'm yeah. not trying to say that the Niners are still, they have a long way to go. Um, but I think they're in a good spot now. Um, just looking at the landscape of the league and, and how they stack up. I know they're hurt and, and losing Bosa is a huge deal, but I, I think they're a playoff run is well within the realm of possibility if they can get yeah. healthy. And that's what we presented last week on the podcast. But it was like, man, hey, look, here's all the best case scenario stuff. Well, my my confidence that that scenario can play out is higher now than it was last week at this right. time. Yeah. So you mentioned the offense and what the offense is going to look like. And we talk about Jimmy Garoppolo coming back. I, I just want to make sure it's really clear because, <laughs> again, Sports Talk Radio producer here who answers phone calls and listens to people's takes for money um <laughs> there's not a quarterback controversy in san francisco jimmy garoppolo once he's healthy and so, ready to go is going to start yeah so we made 
we made it a point, or I, I guess I made it a point in last week's pod to talk about the discussion surrounding um, the quarterback position. If yes. if Nick Mullins comes in and plays well, and and which in fact he did, really um, well. And so, thinking about that, we recorded that what Thursday night. Thinking about that uh, with Kyle Shanahan and his media availability on Friday, I just flat out asked him. I was like, so the decision beyond this week is it at all dependent on how Mullins plays or is it only dependent on how Jimmy feels? Great. Report, which is, man. which is basically the way to ask, is there a quarterback controversy if Mullins plays well? Um, because if he says, you know, well, if Mullins plays well, then we might consider giving Jimmy more time. And then it's like, all right, this is like eyebrow raising stuff. Like you're, you're going down the path towards making this a controversy because what if Nick Mullins, and the 49ers scored 40 points in back-to-back weeks or whatever with Mullins at quarterback. Right. Then it becomes a discussion. And and so what Shanahan did, which I think was smart, he said, you know, it's Jimmy's job. Basic, He said, basically, it's Jimmy's job, and it's entirely dependent on how Jimmy feels. When Jimmy's better, he'll be the quarterback. Right. Um. So, it, which is, which it helps all of us understand that there's no quarterback controversy, at least right now. And, uh, and it was nice to to not have to deal with that this week because as a reporter, it's tough when you when there's like a controversy that you don't feel is a controversy, but you don't want to like convey that to people without belittling them. You know, right. you don't want to like tell your readers like, hey, you guys are dumb. There's no controversy. No, not dumb. It's just, no, it's <laughs> but not you know dumb what I mean. because it's, yeah, a, like, it's a perfectly logical thing to think. Right. But the the fact the fact is is Ian Williams, former 49ers defensive lineman, does a great job for NBC Sports Bay Area now as an NFL analyst. Friend of the pod. Friend of the pod. Was on our show today on Bonte's Dining Guru, 10 to 2, 95 7 the game, radio.com. Um, <laughs> uh, he said, like, where's the money? Like, go toward the money. Yeah. And if, like, my, my, my whole thing has been on this. Every team would love to have their starting quarterback who can take them to the Super Bowl on a one-year $750,000 contract, which right. is what Nick Mullins is on. And if the 49ers thought that Nick Mullins could win them a Super Bowl more so than Jimmy Garoppolo could, they would have done that. And they would have saved all the money that they're paying Garoppolo. But that's not the case. And it's going to be Garoppolo's job once he's healthy. So here's how I was thinking about it, and this is like Please. a pretty obvious thing, but yes. I, I was it just popped in my head when we sat down and I was jotting down ideas for, for this pod. If you feel confident that Nick Mullins can go into New Orleans last year, hang with an incredible performance from Drew Brees, and then go to Seattle and complete 80% of your throws and average 12 yards attempt per attempt yes. or whatever in the biggest regular season game in five or six years or whatever, then okay, then I think you have a good case to, to say Nick Mullins can can be the starting quarterback. As inconsistent and maddening sometimes as Jimmy Garoppolo can be, he has that level that Nick Mullins hasn't proven he can get close to yet, frankly. Right? Like, when Jimmy Garoppolo yes. was in that New Orleans level, that Seattle level, a couple of those Arizona games... um. Nick Mullen, that's just not something Nick Mullins can get to right now. And maybe yep. he he will at some point down the line. But I think there's a very clear d- 
difference between the two in that in big moments like that, we don't know that Nick Mullins can do anything like that. And there's no proof, frankly, that he can. He can, you know, beat up on the Raiders on a Thursday night. Like, great. He can do, you know, he can hang 343 yards in the Giants. Um, mm -hmm. You know, so like. There's a, there's a ceiling with Mullins that is lower than Garoppolo's. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. So. We don't need to. But, yeah. And that's not to knock Nick Mullins. No, he's Nick a very Mullins good backup quarterback. Might be the best backup quarterback in the league. The definition of a good backup quarterback is somebody who can keep your team competitive while you're without your starter. And I think and if he win game, if he wins games, great. And Nick Mullins can do that. But I don't think if the 49ers were to say the 49ers somehow this offseason decided to cut or trade Jimmy Garoppolo and roll with Nick Mullins. Um I think they would be I don't, worse. I, yeah, I, I don't see how you like, you know, are there's no there's no world in which I can envision Nick Mullins like going toe to toe with Aaron Rodgers or Drew Brees or Russell Wilson like Jimmy potentially can do that. We've seen him do things like that and we Correct. just haven't seen that from Mullins. Yeah. So. So. Getting anyway. away from the quarterback controversy because there's right. not one. There isn't. If you want to believe that, that's OK, but you're going to be disappointed because Jimmy Garoppolo will start once he's healthy. Um, Jordan Reed, speaking of people who are not healthy, uh, turned his ankle in the first quarter, trying to make a catch in the back of the end zone. He left the game, uh, came back with his ankle taped and then hurt his knee, uh, making a short reception and wound up leaving. He has an MCL sprain. He is out six to eight weeks. According to Kyle Shanahan, who go on injured reserve. Uh, it's a bummer for sure, especially considering how hard he worked to get back after missing all of last season with his seventh concussion. But um, there's a couple of silver linings for the 49ers. And, and one for Jordan Reed that I want to point out is this isn't something that's season ending. Shanahan made a point to say this isn't something that's going to affect him once he does come back. He'll be able to rehab and be fully healthy and be back in six to eight weeks. Given how the Niners operate, I'm guessing it's on the back end of that eight weeks, which puts him... Uh, back in the lineup for kind of the stretch run, which um, would be would be nice for San Francisco because he was a very good playmaker for them in his brief time. Yeah, it sucks um, because, you know, if you're the 49ers, you're still not entirely sold on your entire receiving core yet, right? Um, and that's Correct. always been my thing with Jordan Reed is he's sort of, uh, you know, his value is as a pass catcher. So I think right. he helps mask whatever deficiencies you have at receiver. And without him now, um, you know, that that's a little bit rough, but it does come when it looks like George Kittle's going to come back. So, you know, Kittle practiced last week in West Virginia and he was ruled out on Friday. To me, that indicates um, he's probably fine to play this week. And Kyle Shanahan even said, we like to get guys, I think earlier in the season or maybe at some point during training camp, Said you like to get guys some practices in um, ahead of their return week, right? So to me, that that's sort of what last week was for Kittle, right? And we never thought it made sense to play him on the turf, right? Right. Um, at MetLife, so <laughs> I wrote a post that was like, "Should the 49ers play George Kittle?" And the answer in the post was no, but the response <laughs> was a resounding no from the uh, the faithful. So good right. call there. Yeah. So playing on natural grass. Um, against the Eagles, I think makes makes a lot of sense for Kittle come to come back this week. So, not having Jordan Reed definitely hurts the 49ers. But I mean, Kittle's going to come back. 
at some point. It should be this week. And it sounds like Debo Samuel is going to come back this week too. Um, back to practice. Well, so Kyle Shanahan said, we're going to see how he looks at practice Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. He hasn't participated in a real practice since Super Bowl week. Obviously, all that makes sense. Shanahan also said, you know, he's in great health. He's in great shape. He said he's in uh, he's been conditioning and is in really good. Like, you know, he's not in football shape, obviously, but his conditioning is up. Sure. Um, so for him, for Shanahan to mention that his conditioning is up unprovoked makes me think the 49ers are kind of expecting to have Debo in the lineup. And even if it's only for 15 or 20 snaps, um, just in his first action back, like I think that would be a huge boost for for the offense. And now you already have, you, you've seen enough from Brandon Ayuk after one game to be like, all right, like <laughs> this dude could actually end up being really good and put yeah. Debo Samuel back on the field with him. Um, I think Kittle and Samuel could make up for Jordan Reed and, and Jordan Reed may, might become like a luxury item later yeah. in the season, like a, you know, sort of added month, like found money, I guess. Yeah. It's a third down guy, for. red zone guy. Yeah. Yeah. More, and, more of a and, gadget than a go-to. Right. And Ross Dwelly has played well too, or at least he played well um, against the Giants. So the injury stinks for the 49ers, but they are getting guys back to, to compensate yeah. for it. Yeah, other other injuries from Sunday. K1 Williams had a hip injury. Uh, Shanahan announced that on Monday. Jarek McKinnon left with an upper ribs injury. Drake Greenlaw, he's still working through a thigh injury. He won't play on Sunday. And Mark Nzacha is heading to IR with a quad injury that he suffered uh, against the Giants. So, I mean, <laughs> just add it add it to the list for the 49ers of important players who are dealing with with injuries the um can i the, say something about k1 real yeah quick? That, i was that's yeah because i was going to ask you uh about about that because it kind of came up uh today I, I hadn't heard anything about it yesterday um, yeah so sometimes so kyle shanahan opens he, he opens his pressers with um injury news and he just lists all of them and says what they are and you listen for the big names and um you try to fire the tweet off first for for that clout you know um so much clout (laughs) so when you when you're like oh jimmy garoppolo we'll see what he is wednesday you know george kittle same thing but whatever Mm -hmm. send the tweet out i went back and listened to the transcription i was like oh he said kwan williams has a hip injury and he's like they still haven't figured out what it is and typically monday is the day when all the players come in they get treatment any injuries they have they get mris scans whatever um if kwan williams had a an injury that was not concerning um they would have gotten those tests done and and felt you know pretty like fine about it but the fact that as of monday afternoon the 49ers said we're still checking out this hip injury um is potentially startling because K1 Williams obviously a very important player um and hips are uh you know those are hips are vital <laughs> um hips are really you know, important for you know, football I've players been, I've been there are there aren't many minor hip injuries yeah I've been dealing with a little bit of a hip thing myself so I really know what K1's going through and <laughs> um <laughs> I don't but no it hips are vital that's yeah <laughs> that's what i was getting at yeah um so they're like there if it was a if he had a hit pointer it wouldn't 
it probably would have gotten figured out. I don't want to speculate on injuries, but it probably would have gotten figured out on Monday to the point where Kyle Shanahan could have told us. So I just want the, the K1 injury is concerning. And I think um, hopefully yeah, cool. by the, the next time we record later this week, we'll have an update, but want to keep it is not sure. a spot that they can afford another player to be missing. Yeah. Matt Barrows tweeted out. Um, Here's a list of 49ers cornerbacks <laughs> to be healthy for every game. And the list was Dante Johnson. Yeah. Also the 49ers defender with the most games played in a 49ers yeah. uniform. Fun fact. Uh, let's get to a let's get to a break and then hand out some awards and get out of here. You've counted on restaurants, now they're counting on you. And while their dining rooms may be closed, they're still open for delivery with DoorDash. DoorDash is the app that brings you the food you're craving right to your door. Ordering is easy. Open the DoorDash app, choose what you want to eat, and your food will be left safely outside your door with the new contactless delivery drop-off setting. Choose from your favorite national restaurants like Chipotle, Wendy's, and the Cheesecake Factory. Any of your favorite local restaurants are still open for delivery too. Just open the DoorDash app, select your favorite local spot, and your food will be on its way. I think uh, tomorrow, Tuesday is kind of the light day for us. Um, might order some wings for the uh, for the A's playoff game. Maybe. Oh, I'll, I maybe, love that. Maybe I'll do that on uh, on DoorDash. Get some lemon pep on the way. I, you know, I'm gonna be in, in the office. I'm not gonna be able to leave when the A's game starts. And the one other person there with me, also a huge A's fan, going to jump on DoorDash and maybe do the same. Have some wings delivered to the office. But very convenient when you cannot exit the building. The original Buffalo and the Lemon Pep from any combination, any wings, any place you get wings. I don't even know if wing spots on, on uh, or wing stops on DoorDash, but hopefully it is. <laughs> um, shout out to Lemon Pepper <laughs> Wings, by the way. While we're yeah, doing this. huge shout out. So right now, and I'm going to use this too, because this is a great deal. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter promo code BLUEWIRE. That's $5 off and zero delivery fees. So that's going to end up being like Dude, that's a third of your order. tomorrow. Yeah, when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter code BLUEWIRE. Don't forget, that's code BLUEWIRE for, for $5 off your first order with DoorDash. You know what's probably good with wings? Pepsi. Um, pe- obviously Pepsi. Pepsi's Pepsi and wings, tough to beat. Uh, so thanks to a lack of natural athleticism or commitment or overbearing sports parents, fewer than 1% of 1% of 1% of people will ever play professional football. But instead of entering the NFL, they've joined another league, the League of Football Watchers. The football season will be different and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day no matter how you watch. It was uh, covering the game from home on Sunday. It was hot, trying to beat the heat. And you know what I had? I'm not a huge soda guy, just kind of like for health reasons, but the occasional Pepsi, it's awesome. It tastes so good when you don't drink it a lot. So Pepsi is a a refreshment you need to power through any game day because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game. It's made for those who watch it. Pepsi made for watching football. The wait is finally over. Football is back. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. I know I have. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. And that's good because when I take a couple L's, I love having another chance to jump in and win. 
and I have been this year. I've been doing a nice job, Chris. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. Those team, player, and coaching props, by the way, are the move. If you look at matchups and you look at injury reports, sometimes you can find really good value in there. It just takes 10 minutes of your time looking some stuff up. I'm, It's the move. I'm telling you, go do it right now. I'll give you some free money here later if you keep listening. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every single day. Head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. That's the free money I was talking about. Tune in now. Don't forget to use promo code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word, B-L-U-E-W-I-R-E. That's all one word, BLUEWIRE. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. All right, let's get to our post game awards. We're just going to do studs and duds today, and our Demontre Moore honorary MVP first stud is uh, the the easy one. It's it's Nick Mullins. I I don't think. I went in thinking that the 49ers just needed kind of an efficient, no turnover game from Mullins to pull out a win. And he was a lot better than that. He uh, threw for 343 yards and a touchdown. He didn't turn the ball over. Uh, only only one, I think, real questionable throw into coverage. Uh, made a couple of really nice touch passes. He was, he was excellent. If you convert half your third down conversions as an offense, you're doing pretty well. Um, mm-hmm. The Niners converted 8 of 12. Yeah. They had 420 yards. They didn't punt on the day. Um, they had opportunities to score on every possession they had. The only actual possession that wasn't kneeling down at the end of the game was a, a long missed field goal. Um, so, yeah, like a really, really good performance for Mullins. 19 passing first downs, 343 yards, average nine and a half yards per attempt, really efficient. Um spread the ball around he had what five pass catchers with at least three catches yeah um so i just you know i think uh i think it was a really good performance against a really bad team but um there's you can't discredit what the 49ers did because they played a bad team because that's what you're supposed to do uh, yep. when you play a bad team is beat them down and that's what they did so yeah thank mullins good game uh, duds, you mentioned they didn't punt Mitch Wisnowski. Get up off your ass and do something. He's a dud for me. No, uh, you mentioned that the Niners missed a field goal. They also missed an extra point and uh, had another one botched that uh, got negated by a penalty. Kyle Nelson is our first dud, and it's not typical that you get long snapper talk that's not tongue-in-cheek on this podcast. But legitimately, Kyle Nelson was, I, I think, the biggest flaw in San Francisco's game. Yeah, he, uh, I think Very it was strange. four or five snaps. Yeah, they were um, high, they were low. Just, they were, that were just bad. Yeah, man. He was it's, all over the place. And he's a good long snap. He's, uh, he's not dealing with an injury, apparently. So he just had a really terrible day in a case of the yips. And look, I have had the yips. And it was playing baseball and I completely forgot how to play catch with somebody, like how to throw the ball to a person. Um, So I know what that feels like because you feel like your brain, 
you're like you have zero confidence in what you're trying to do and you can't do the most basic thing and because it's so basic it drives you nuts and then it just makes it worse so i understand like what the yips are like because i've had it playing baseball and it is stupid and really frustrating so i feel for kyle nelson and a lot of other people who have the yips whether it's like baseball or on the golf course or whatever like be happy that you're not the long snapper of an nfl team yeah um because thousands and thousands of people know about kyle nelson's yips and it's and it sucks it's embarrassing for sure but i feel for the guy because that's not a fun situation to be in like as a long snapper you have one job right like that's it's it's tough it's a similar sensation to to i had a similar issue as a catcher in baseball throwing the ball back to the pitcher for like a week I could not figure it out. And that's not to, again, like you said, that's not to equate the level. It's the same sensation though. And it's as if like, have you ever, have you ever not known what word you were looking for? And you're like, you're all the time. It's on the tip of your tongue. And you're like, you're trying to come up with like commotion and you're like, is it, is it, and you just can't think of it. It's like that, but with a physical thing. Right. And it yeah. doesn't make sense. And I know a bunch of people listening to this know exactly what we're talking about and shout out to you people because right. it sucks. So yeah. Uh, Kyle Nelson, again, not to, not to further drag him because he's not enjoying uh, having the yips. He was a, he was a dud yesterday. Uh, Brandon Ayuk is our next stud and uh, you mentioned the Debo Samuel uh, comp or the idea that Samuel and he would complement each other well on the field. I, I agree with that. He was really good. Yeah. Uh, Steve Berman, friend of the pod of the athletic tweeted out their, their name, their stati- statistics from their first couple games. Um, and Samuel and I, the numbers were basically I more or less identical. Um, and I just think that, you know, after seeing Ayuk in training camp, knowing what the possibilities were, and then finally seeing that unfold in a game, albeit against the Giants, um, you you see what the ceiling could potentially be. So if if the 49ers, like the, that's one thing the 49ers didn't have with Emmanuel Sanders, as good as he was, Sanders wasn't a dude who was going to run a lot of like jet sweep and and be part of that action, right? Like contribute to the offense in that way. Yeah. He was more of the downfield guy, the space of field guy. Um, I think IU can be that he might not be that this year, but I think he can absolutely be what Samuel was last year. And then maybe Samuel now takes the next step and becomes more of a downfield guy. Right. So you have, um, a similar dynamic in what you had last year, but now you have it with two younger guys, obviously on rookie contracts, um, who are going to develop fully within the system. So I think, I don't know if it's going to happen this year, but I think, Given what we know about Kyle Shanahan, given what we know about the skill sets of Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk and George Kittle, obviously, those are the makings. Those are the pieces long term that could form a really, really dangerous offense. So I'm curious to see with Debo back in the mix now, potentially this week, how long it takes for them to get there. Um, It's probably not going to happen super quickly, but I think it's, you know, by the stretch run of the season, November, December, uh, if everybody stays on the field and stays healthy, I think it could be a, a really, really dangerous passing attack and, and rushing attack with those two guys. The thing that impressed me the most, and it, it was, uh, I think it was his final reception was a first down and he got hit like right as he caught it. 
and it was just kind of a really tough kind of like gritty catch and i thought i thought that was a really good sign for it for a rookie receiver to make to make a reception like that so yeah i yeah. think brandon i is gonna be really good you have lakin tomlinson down as a dud explain uh he allowed four pressures i thought leonard williams sort of handled them throughout um I was looking at pro football focuses numbers so far, and I don't want to overreact to, to PFF numbers in September in this really weird season, but I think it's worth pointing out. Um, Lake and Tomlinson allowed 29 pressures throughout all of last season and 1200 snaps. Mm-hmm. Um, he's already allowed nine in 200 snaps. Oof. So, you know, nine pressures isn't like the worst. It's not the worst thing in the world, but like he's already, you know, he's on pace for something like 48 pressures this season, which is obviously way more than than 29 last year. And um, I guess that that and I think the 29 was including the three postseason games, too. So um, in terms of pass protection, it, it seems like Tomlinson was significantly better last year. So um, it just jumped out to me that one of the strengths of the Giants defense on Sunday was. Uh, was Leonard Williams and um, you know he's a good player obviously a highly drafted former first round pick but so is Tomlinson and Quinnen Williams uh, in the Jets game also gave Tomlinson a, a whole lot of issues and Quinnen Williams is obviously somebody who's very talented too um, third overall pick I believe and uh, so yeah I think when you look at studs and duds I think you had it's worth pointing out that Lake and Tomlinson probably needs to be better at pass protection at this point Next one, Jason Verrett. I wanted to just give a shout out to, so I made him a stud in our studs and duds. Jason Verrett got his first start since September 11, 2017. He played every snap that the 49ers starters were in on defense, uh, starters as it were, and uh, played really well. He allowed two catches for nine yards. He had a pass breakup. And... Um, he had a was, TFL too. Was it TFL or a no? He blew up a screen. Yeah he, yeah, he blew up a screen pass. Uh, fought through a block really nicely to to blow that up. He was just he was really really good. And if he's gonna play at that level, it it makes the 49ers secondary uh, a lot better. And I think he, uh, you know, assuming he stays healthy, is their first corner off the bench once once Sherman gets back. Yeah, I think that's he was fair. excellent. Yeah, he's. And and this is sort of what the 49ers have known about him, is that when he's healthy, right. he could be a really good player. The issue is obviously availability. So if if he plays next Sunday, it'll be his first, it'll be his first time playing in back to back games since 2016. Yeah, that's crazy. That was such a long time ago. So uh really I, I just regardless of of who they play for, uh I, I always root for guys who have had their careers derailed by like injury and things they can't control. And that's been, that's been him. So if he could come back and, and put together a, a good season, that would be, it'd be a really cool story. And I'm, I'm rooting for him for sure. Shout so, out to uh, Santa Rosa junior college. Yeah. Love S- Go bear Cubs. Our JC bear Cubs, big bear Cubs guy. Uh, <laughs> our, 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 our went there. If, if you're wondering pride of Fairfield, California. Uh, and our final dud, Quan Alexander, just one tackle yesterday and all season has looked lost. Um, I, I don't really know how to describe it. He's just, he's not, been, he's not been near the football. 
and and it was the case again yesterday. He got he got caught up inside on a couple of long runs by Daniel Jones, who's not a uh, who's not a great running threat. When people talk about the issues the 49ers have with mobile quarterbacks or even quarterbacks just scrambling or even running design runs, and I don't even know if we consider Daniel Jones necessarily a mobile quarterback, but his design or his scrambles and design runs were kind of effective. Um, I think one of the culprits of of the 49ers struggling to handle that is Quan Alexander. And he's just he's a he's good in coverage. Um he lost containment on Kyle, Kyler Murray a few times in week one. And sometimes you can you can take advantage of him overrunning plays. I think that's that's certainly a thing that opposing offensive yeah. coordinators know. That Quan Alexander will overrun a play, potentially take a bad angle and miss a tackle or not even be close enough to to qualify for a missed tackle. So if there's a knock on Quan's game, I think that's it. Um I still think he's a good player. He's probably not worth the $16 million a year he's um, he's currently getting after getting his contract restructured. So that'll be interesting to see how that shakes out. But I'm with you. I, I haven't been overly impressed with Quan Alexander in, in some of those aspects of his game so far. Uh, and our, our final dud before we move on to our Demontre Moore MVP, uh, George Kittle, having nothing to do with <laughs> uh, the, the game because he was out with an injury. Uh, but he is once again the D is not for dad; it's for ducking the podcast, which he continues to do. So. Yeah, George Kittle ducking the pod. Demontre Moore, Demontre Moore MVP. Uh, I'll go first because uh, I went a little bit outside the box here. I picked Fred Warner because Fred Warner was excellent again yesterday. Um, he had seven tackles. He was targeted six times in the passing game. He allowed three receptions for 24 yards. He had an interception. That's an NFL passer rating of 20.8. And he just kind of continues to be the 49ers uh, best player on defense with Nick Bosa off the field and Richard Sherman off the field. And I I thought that he was going to need to kind of go up a level this year and, and become a household name. And I think he's done that through three games and he certainly did it on Sunday. Uh, the Niners defense needed someone to kind of step up and and he has. So Fred Warner gets my Demontre Moore MVP award. Totally agree. Um, it's a thing for writers to see like who broke down the huddle, like after warmups before they go into the locker room and all that stuff or whatever. Um, this week it was Fred Warner and, and the Niners put on social media. Fred alluded to it after the game, but I uh, basically told the team and told Nick Mullins directly, like, just manage the game, just control the ball. Um, don't turn it over and, and we'll get it back for you. And Warner is really he was, you know, we talked about him becoming a leader last year. But I think now with the absences that you mentioned and DeForest Buckner being gone too, um, Warner's leadership stuff is is going to another level. And I think right now he's probably their most indispensable player on defense for sure um given who's left um you know obviously he's probably not as good or as valuable as Nick Bosa um and I guess it would be an interesting argument to have whether he's more important or valuable than Richard Sherman right now but right now given who's on the field and who's healthy Fred Warner is clearly their most indispensable defensive player and um and he's having a great a great start to his season so far yep who is your Demontre Moore MVP I'm going to go with Nick Mullins. Um, it's the right pick. Yeah, 343 
<clears throat> yards passing. He joined Joe Montana as only 49ers quarterback to ever comp- throw for at least 220 yards in nine straight games. Um, I think that stat's a little misleading because the era, the eras and the rules have changed a little bit. Joe Montana is probably passing for 350 yards every week if he's playing in this era. But, um, yep. but I think, uh, it's impressive. You know, there's no way there's there's no real way to spin it. Like if you're the 49ers or a fan of the 49ers, you are not at all worried about your backup quarterback spot for whatever that's worth. I don't know if Nick Mullins could win you a playoff game. I don't probably not. I think he could probably be competitive. Um, but, you know, I think he's a good backup quarterback. And I think that can be really valuable if you have a starter who needs who has to miss time. And um, and I think what the 49ers are learning here is that if they need Nick Mullins to come in and and start for two or three weeks or a month or whatever, like they have a good enough team that they could probably still, you know, go two and two in a stretch like that or something. It's not it's not that Nick Mullins. I mean, it, it could potentially happen, but Nick Mullins might not, you know, you're not going to you don't have like some undrafted rookie backing him up to where if he were to have to start a month, that would completely torpedo your season and cost you a playoff spot. Nick Mullins right. is not that guy. He's good enough to keep you afloat. Yeah. And there's a reason. So just like there's a reason that Jimmy Garoppolo is the starter. There's a reason the 49ers just didn't give away Nick Mullins in a trade. Yeah. They didn't just get take the first sixth round pick that was offered for him and, and, and run. It's because they know that he is a valuable asset in the event that that Jimmy Garoppolo goes down and they and they need him to start uh, a game or two. So he proved that he was really really good, better than I thought he would be, better than he needed to be. And I I think that there were a lot of people when news came out that Garoppolo was going to be out. There were a lot of people in the sports betting realm who went take the Giants money line. If you like the points, take the points, like just uh, take the Giants, lean on the Giants. And I think the opposite would be the case if Nick Mullins were to start against the Eagles. Yeah. So that's where I'm at. He's a, I think what, what Nick Mullins does really well is just function. He knows the offense. I'm jealous. He can, he can, (laughs) he can call the right audibles. He knows the playbook. Um, he knows the playbook probably as well as anybody in the building, to be honest. Um, and Kyle Shanahan can trust him to just handle all the procedural stuff it takes to be a quarterback. And that's important. And that's a a really difficult part of being quarterback and a really important part of being a quarterback. So, um, he doesn't have the talent as the, the nearly the same level of talent as Garoppolo, but you know, at least, you have a quarterback who will be assignment sound and and you can win games like that if you have a good scheme. And I think the 49ers have a good scheme, obviously. Yep, absolutely. So that's going to do it for our week three wrap up. The Niners beat the Giants and now they go in to face the Philadelphia Eagles who are 0-3. And man, you think the 49ers have quarterback stuff worth discussing. The Eagles are, are a train wreck at that position right now. And we will discuss that. <laughs> we, will, we will dive into that on Thursday uh, for the podcast that comes out Friday. So check your feeds. If you haven't subscribed, rated, and reviewed, please do so. We certainly appreciate it. And we will see you guys next time.
For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.